Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, listeners, and thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States. Today, we have for you Lindsay Hua. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Simone. I'm happy to be here. Lovely to have you on the show today. Can you tell us a bit about where you're from and any additional information about your professional bio? Sounds good. So, Lindsay Hua, I, I was born and raised in the Philippines, currently living now in Seattle, Washington. I've moved here about 13 years ago, for, mainly for work. And also at the same time, I was newly married. So I moved first to Cincinnati, Ohio. I was managing a global team for a company called Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And then a few years later, I moved to Seattle uh, when my husband and I decided to, to find another city where we would want to build our own family uh, and raise our kids. And so in Seattle, I found, uh, I left Hewlett Packard and have been working at the T-Mobile for the last, I would say, 10 years. And then most recently, I have left T-Mobile and are, I'm now working for a company called Affinity. It is an artificial intelligence and machine learning company where I'm the VP of global deployment, and I'm also recently the head of diversity in our technology organization. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. You've had a breadth of experience here in the last number of years. Yes, for sure. I mean, it's it's been a great experience for me moving from one different, one state to another. I've only been to two states, like permanently living, but I've, I've had a chance and the opportunity to go around different states and experience the different cultures within the U.S. Yes, interesting, right? I imagine there's a, when we talk about diversity, sometimes you can think maybe on a global level, but within the United States, there's so much diversity as well. And even in yeah. any one city, there can be so, so many different people and cultures and so forth. For sure. So is there a story behind your arrival to the United States? What, what brought you here? So my, my story starts way back in 2008 when uh, my fiancé, now my husband, and I decided to get married and settle down. So back then, I was still in the Philippines, and that's actually how I met my husband. In the Philippines, he was assigned from the U.S. to the Philippines for a couple of months for work. And it was, um, we met back in, actually back in 2002. And we were just friends and office mates for the longest time. Then a couple of years later, decided to 
take things a little more seriously and started dating in a long distance relationship. We were moving, uh, we were flying back and forth to see each other between Philippines and the US. And then finally, once we decided to uh, get married and settle down, we were trying to decide where we would want to uh, root our family in. I, we had a choice to stay in the Philippines where my, fa my entire family is pretty much based. And I've been born and raised and studied there and worked there for quite a while. And he wasn't really uh, very strongly tied to whether it's going to be in the Philippines or in the U.S. But the one thing that I really recognize in the U.S. is the amount of opportunities that's available out here. And his family is, lives a really um, peaceful and simple life, which I really admire. Because in my, in my family, I have a large family where I have about 30 cousins. And co in contrary, or in contrast to his family, his family only has uh, him and his sister and very few cousins. And we, I, I really admire the, the peaceful lifestyle and a little bit more laid back. So we decided to, to move here. And so when we, um, when we decided to move here in the U.S., we, I could have done two different routes, which actually I, I went for. One was I was applying for my company to be localized here in the U.S., and I was applying for a managerial role. So they were able to work through uh, a visa called L1 visa for me. And at the same time, my husband was petitioning me for a spousal visa. We knew that one would come earlier than the other. It was actually through my work that I was able to get that visa first. So right after we got married in the Philippines, uh, as soon as my work visa was approved, I flew here and the beginning of uh, January 2009 and landed in Cincinnati, Ohio. And back then, I just brought uh, two luggages and that was it. That, that was all my possessions. And my husband was a, a really great force to support me and how I adjusted my lifestyle here in the U.S. because it was my first time doing a lot of things. In the, back in the Philippines, we we really had the luxury or the opportunity to have helpers at home where in the us it's like everything you are you know with with these opportunities comes responsibilities as well you're handling you're responsible for the household chores for cooking washing the dishes doing laundry those simple things that i took for granted when i was growing up now i had to do them myself and my husband was actually the ones that the one that taught me all of those which i'm so glad that i i was I learned them and passed them on when, when uh, he, when we had children, and made sure that everybody knew to take a responsible attitude in terms of uh, the household chores. Wow, very nice, very nice. And how are your children doing today? My children are good. Uh, I have a eleven-year-old. Her name is Zoe. She is a sixth grader, so middle school. Um, and she loves the orchestra. She loves music. And uh, she told me that uh, one of these, when she grows up, she wants to become a music producer <laughs> because she loves uh, the Korean pop band, uh, which probably has become an international sensation in the, especially during the pandemic. They've, they've pretty much um, become internationally known, even if the, it comes from uh, Korea. And my son is nine year old. Uh, and uh, he loves to play the drums. 
So every day we actually have to um, close the windows, close the doors to make sure that when he does his drum practice, that uh, there is some peace and quiet still at certain portions of the house. And both are doing really well. Um, they've, they've been really good in terms of adjusting during the pandemic. Uh, but thankfully now that they're going back to school and meeting their friends, I think that has really helped a lot uh, with their social uh, wellness and mental health. Yes, very good. Very good. Thank goodness we are hopefully towards the end of this Rona or, or COVID. <laughs> Some people <laughs> have different names uh, that they've given to it. Uh, I'm hoping that we are towards the end and we can just be back to somewhat of a normal life and, and interacting with our friends, families, and, and loved ones. Yeah, for sure. So what was life like? You've, you've hinted a few things. What was life like in the Philippines for you? For example, what are things that you did for fun? What was the food like growing up for you? Culture, music, and, and I know there's several different islands and there's, I guess there's dialects that's spoken, but what was your language that you used? Sure. So in the Philippines, we enjoy celebrating a lot of holidays. There's actually 19 holidays every year that we celebrate. And then when it falls on a long weekend, we normally take advantage of doing what we call staycations. It's basically staying somewhere close, not exactly in our home, but finding a place like a small Airbnb or a VRBO that we can just stay for the long weekend. And that's like our, our vacation type of, of uh, thing. And we would basically find a place in the outskirts or provinces and spend the day closer, closer to nature, like the mountains and the beaches. Um, I really love the beaches in the Philippines. They are, for me, one of the best in the world. And you're right, to your point earlier, there's a lot of islands. There's actually 7,641 islands in the Philippines. So there's a lot of places to choose from. And my favorite islands are called Boracay and Palawan because they, they have the best beaches, in my opinion, and they have the finest powdery sand that one can find. Being close to the water, I, I had a love of swimming, and I also took scuba diving for several years before I actually moved to the U.S. I actually miss scuba diving now. <laughs> and from time to time when we visit the, uh, going back to the Philippines, um, I would brush up on uh, the scuba diving experience, which, you know, it's always a different world out there under the water and you see a lot of marine life and just, you know, become one with nature. For me and for my experience in the Philippines, food has always been a big thing too. And interestingly, a lot of our food is actually fatty, <laughs> oily, and there's a lot of carbs everywhere. One example for uh, would be a roasted pig that we would usually celebrate. Uh, we usually cook in every major celebration that we have. Um, it's The lechon is a whole roasted pig, and we would normally um, combine it with pasta or spaghetti and uh, desserts that are rice or flour-based. And... The Philippines, compared to the U.S., is more affordable, especially if you live in the provinces. So that's also one thing that I really enjoy 
you know, living in, in the Philippines is when you get the chance to travel around and uh, explore the different islands, there's always, you can always stretch your money very far. And uh, in terms of language, Tagalog is the most common dialect spoken in the Philippines. And since English is taught as a primary language of education, pretty much everyone speaks the, the tongue as well. So America actually colonized the Philippines for 48 years, from 1898 to 1946, right after Spain did. And much of our culture is heavily influenced by, the, by Americans. And in terms of music, we have a really wide range. Uh, we call them OPM. It stands for Original Filipino Music. And usually it's, it's a combination of either pop, ba ballads, or rap music. So that's, that's a little bit of uh, fun and fun facts about the Philippines and my experience growing up there. Okay, very nice. I never thought of rap being a part of the culture there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a big thing. I think when I was uh, a teenager, I used to love uh, Filipino rap music. And it was a big thing. Like we would, if there was a, like a local concert, um, or a public auditorium that was that had these rap competitions or those uh, famous rappers, uh, we would we would take every opportunity to go if we could afford it. <laughs> wow, wow, okay. And it's just basically the American culture uh, where that influence came from as well, right? I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Yes. So. You came over on the L1 uh, with, is that Hewlett-Packard? Yes, Hewlett-Packard. Right, right, right. Okay. So at the time, you were a professional already and deciding where to settle and so forth. Was there any particular American goal or, you know, you're now in a new country in the United States? I mean, that's a big deal for a lot of people around the world to be able to move and live here. Were there any challenges that came along with, you know, coming from the Philippines, now living in this country, and then pursuing whatever dream you had on the table for you? Yeah, for sure. So when I moved... Uh, from the Philippines to the U.S., um, my first my first area my my first place where I landed and lived for a couple of years was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I so vividly remember it was in January two thousand and nine, and it was one of the worst winter storms that the state has experienced. Uh, I didn't have a car back then, and where we lived was a suburb actually called Mason. And it's a city that does not that has public transportation only through the bus and didn't have much taxis. Like if you had to call a taxi, you have to, you know, plan ahead of time and make sure that someone would be there in like 20 minutes, for example. And there wasn't any Uber or Lyft back then. So it was I felt pretty much dependent uh, on my husband who would drive me to the bus station and go from the bus station to the office, come back and have my husband pick me back up. And also at that time, there wasn't quite a variety of um, Asian restaurants or groceries. And so I miss, missed my home a lot. And I think I was homesick for the first year. And uh, thankfully, my, my husband um, has always been that, that strong force for me. And he has always been very... Um, 
helpful in terms of finding places that we could explore, uh, go outside um, Ohio and go to Tennessee, for example, and go check out the Smoky Mountains or go to Virginia and try out water rafting, white water rafting. And that was really fun. Uh, but at the same time, I knew that we were going to um, have kids eventually and also try to build a family where we felt we could have a strong foundation. So that, that period of adjustment for me was probably a year or so. And when I gave birth to my daughter, she was born in Cincinnati. At that time, both my husband and I both realized that Cincinnati wasn't really the, the city for us. And we actually made a pact. And this might sound really funny how we landed here in, in Seattle. We made a pact looking at three different cities and we would start, we said, okay, we'll do job hunting in these three cities. One of them was Seattle, one of them was Austin, Texas, and the other one was San Francisco. And we said, whoever lands the first job, that's where we're all moving. So we were both uh, job hunting. I was job hunting during my maternity leave. He actually um, took a separation package from his company, and that allowed him to spend time to do his own job hunting in his own time as well. And then I found a job in Austin, Texas, and he found a job in Amazon in Seattle. And so it was mo most, like a, most likely like a coin toss. And we decided that um, Seattle was the one for us because uh, not only is Seattle one of the biggest tech hubs in, in the US, but also we had a lot of friends uh, and we were closer to our extended family members. It was just the two of us, myself and my husband, his name is Zen. Uh, it was just the two of us together in Cincinnati. So it, it can really be lonely, but we knew that we were in better hands, you know, being exposed to more people that we've missed so much uh, interacting face to face. And while I didn't have my immediate family in, in Seattle, nor does he, but we have a lot of uh, relatives that live like close by and it was just like a short flight or a short road trip from us. So that's how we, we landed in Seattle. I, I can relate. You mentioned earlier that you had over 30 cousins, I think approximately. I also yes. come from a big family as well. My, you know, grandmother's one of 14 and she had one of 11. Then my maternal grandmother, also large family as well. She had 12 children. So tons of cousins. And <laughs> I can relate you know, moving away on my own as well and just being quite homesick because I, I, I had a community. You know, you have to rebuild that when you move to a new city without family. So I completely get it. Yes, I, and I, I miss those like family reunions. Every time there, somebody had a birthday, we would go to somebody's home and celebrate together. Um, and my, my husband actually, his family didn't celebrate birthdays that much until I I got introduced to his family and I was the one that introduced celebrating birthdays because I love celebrating any type of you know opportunity that there is holidays birthdays anniversaries um, their family wasn't his family wasn't like that so I was like you know bringing more of the festive side of my culture to his family which was great great wonderful wonderful just it, it uh, yeah it adds so much personality and joy 
Yes. We we get together on all the holidays or birthdays, name it, weddings. Everybody come together. Yeah. Wedding. We know everybody's traveling and we'll get to see each other. So, yes, it's fun. It's really fun. So seems like you already you were settled a uh, career wise professionally so you didn't necessarily have to go through college and then find your way in a job you pretty much came over already settled in a certain field all you did was basically change companies were there any opportunities that came along maybe people who are pivotal or just were you know helpful in getting you settled and understanding the american culture as far as being i imagine you're a a manager moving from overseas and now having to manage was it a new team different people operating in a new culture how did that work out for you that's a really great question um when i moved to cincinnati it was a totally new role and it was a totally new team it wasn't still in the same company so i was working for hewlett packard in the philippines and when i found a, a job opportunity in the us i applied for it um, and interviewed for it. And when I got the role, I knew that it would still be in technology. And I've always been in technology, in the technology space for the last 20 years. And I've been managing global teams. So that was something that I was really um, happy about is there is, I can use a lot of the skill sets that I've brought, uh, that I've grown and learned uh, throughout the years when I moved here. But having an entirely new team and my boss was new at that time, um, and everybody was new. And I really had to learn like how to adjust working in a U in a U.S. environment because back in the Philippines, I would say like people like to work long hours. Like the longer you worked, the more I guess the more recognition that you're given saying, oh, you are a hard worker, then when it comes to performance management, then we'll give you a better rating or better raise. Here in the US, what struck me as one of the positive things was that at five o'clock, I see people shutting down their laptops, going back home, spending time with their family, with their loved ones, bringing their kids to their after school. And I was like, boy, this is a new experience for me. What am I going to do after five o'clock? I'm used to working <laughs> up until seven o'clock and coming home late uh, from, from work. And usually because in the Philippines, we had helpers um, cooking for us. You know, there would be meals in the table. But now it's my responsibility when I had to go home. I had to prepare the meals for myself and my husband or we would cook together Um or he would teach me what recipes to cook. And it was a new adjustment for me. And I think one of the people that has helped me a lot in terms of navigating and adjusting is, is my boss. His name is Robin, and he actually passed away already just a few years ago. Um, but he was one of the strongest influence um, influences when, when I started moving to the U.S. He was telling me like to take things easy if I had to um, set up some my bank accounts or spend, you know, my husband would take me to go for, get, go get my social security card. I'm like, what is a social security card? I, we didn't have that type of, of concept in the Philippines. Um, I knew about credit cards, but I didn't know about credit scores. We didn't have that notion as well. So there was a lot of things that was new for me and it was 
pretty overwhelming. Plus the fact that it was my first time owning a, a home or I would say like we were renting the home, but we would buy our furnitures from, from an empty space to like putting things that we would call our home. And the first few months was just like, I felt like a little bit of a zombie where I would work, come back home, uh, set up the furniture, cook the meals, uh, sleep on the floor because our bed wasn't set up yet. And it was, it was sort of like that for the first few months, especially mostly because it was my husband and I. But we had some, some, he had his best friend that lived um, in Cincinnati as well that helped us a lot. And I think even with that little group of friends, that really was a good anchor for me to be able to say, I can get through this. Um, and I have a support system, no matter how, how small it is, but we were tight and they were, they were willing to help out and extend their help. And that's what I learned um, being an immigrant here is, you know, we have some of these experiences uh, that have been hard for us when we started coming here. And what I really wanted to do is help pay it forward to the next immigrant that would come. And hopefully they would experience the same challenges or the, the trials that one would experience, but making it as, you know, as easy for them as possible. Right. Wonderful to hear. So, yeah, you've alluded to some of your challenges and how surprising it was for you about the getting a social security number and from not working late, rather. But that's interesting because most people tend to associate work with the American culture. But yet you're saying that it's quite different. It's the opposite. You guys work longer hours in the Philippines and people here shut down at five. So that's interesting because <laughs> some, some people say we don't take vacations, right? Like we work all year. We compare to some places in Europe where they have, you know, like months of vacation already compared to what we get here. That's that an interesting take. Yes, that is true. One thing that I miss working in the U.S. is there's less holidays compared to what we had in the Philippines. So in the Philippines, we had 19 and we were so happy, <laughs> like taking advantage of those holidays here in the U.S. I think there's about nine that we back then and, and the company that I worked for, we had around nine. And I was like, wait, there's only nine. Um, and, you know, you have to really cherish uh, and, and take the time off. And of course, since I moved here, I really wanted to make a, a good impression. So even if I was it was a long weekend or it was a holiday, um, my work in the technology space requires me and my team to be available or on call 24 by 7 as well. So I, it was really hard for me to really take a break as well or, you know, have that mentality put aside saying, you know, you're on vacation mode. You can shut off your computer and not not think about work. Um, it took me a few few years to get that um, to get that habit into like trying to separate work from leisure and I would say that here in the U.S. there is a stronger sense of trying to have that work-life balance which I've learned through a couple of role models most of them coming from my managers both male and female. Wow I find that very intriguing because I always generally assume that most other countries tend to have more of a you know, more family oriented, but that's, that is quite an interesting take on it. I'm, I'm, I love that you're sharing that. I, I think people will find it quite interesting. Were there anything, anything that was shocking to you outside of, you know, getting social security numbers and, 
and and having your own place any anything culturally that you thought my goodness it's so different from the philippines how will i ever adjust we do celebrate different holidays was there anything <laughs> that you found that was yeah. different um not not necessarily cultural i would say though that when i moved here one of the things that pre- pretty much did not necessarily shock me that much, but I knew was going to be significantly different was the pay. So back in the Philippines, I was a manager back then, and I thought that I was getting paid well, Philippine standards. And then when I moved here in the U.S., um, very similar role, but I you know, didn't realize that the large significant gap between what I was earning back in the Philippines versus what I was earning in the U.S., which was probably in the Philippines, I was getting like a fifth or maybe less than that of what I was getting in the U.S. And I was playing like similar roles. Right. So I was like, wow, um, this is what it's like to work here. And you can work eight to five only. So <laughs> I was like, really, really, uh, I felt really for- fortunate to do that. And and back then, this was probably uh, 13 years ago, there was no such thing as salary comparison or benchmark salary ranges, or at least that maybe I, I was ignorant and not did not know where to look for. Uh, I didn't realize that I wasn't actually getting paid that high in, in the role that I landed in the U.S. because my husband and I um, were, were openly sharing and we were in, in similar job levels. And he was getting paid more than I was. And the company also went through this um, hardship. So at one point in time, all the company employees in the U.S. actually had to take a, a 10% pay cut. So, But even with the pay cut, I knew that it was still enough for, for me to provide for myself and my husband. Um, and, and I still was, was grateful enough to have the opportunity to work here. But I think what opened my eyes even further was when I actually moved to Seattle and I was looking, I had literally zero network in terms of trying to connect with companies that are based here in Seattle. And what I realized the most was that while networking is really important, merit is also something that's very, like something that's really recognized and appreciated here. So through my merit, like through the work that I did, I applied to several companies and I feel very fortunate to have worked and found T-Mobile where I worked for 10 years um, and found my boss who I, who until this day, I really felt like without him, I wouldn't have been successful in my career at at T-Mobile. And he was the one that believed in myself, my merits, even if I worked back in the Philippines, even if I worked in Cincinnati, Ohio, even I had zero experience in telco. He was really um, appreciative of the skill set that I could bring to the table and gave me that opportunity. Uh, and I think that maybe back then in the Philippines, it was hard. It's A lot of them are relationship-based and networks, but with someone who is an immigrant and who has been here only for a few years and has not gotten that footing or that route yet, it was really tough. And I felt like I, I couldn't have found a, a better opportunity to grow my career. And I wouldn't be where, where I now if it had not been for that opportunity. 
and the the compensation um, was was really something that was even better than what was I, what I was exper- uh, getting from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I really was like, whoa, what what merit based skill set can can really do and provide opportunities, and for me that was a huge eye opener. Good. That's good. Good to hear that, that you had such a positive experience in the workplace and adjusting and being able to grow your career and, and gain new skills and move up the ladder. That's awesome. And especially for, for a woman, right? Yes. And an immigrant. That's, that's great to hear. Yes. And I, I'm uh, hoping to pay that forward <laughs> with every single new woman, new immigrant that comes in. That's good. That's good. We certainly need each other (laughs) helping us to understand the the culture outside of the workplace. And specifically, there is a specific culture that uh, goes along with working working in a particular company. So uh, I'm sure whoever you come across would be very happy to to hear what you have to share. With with a lot of the this independence comes a lot of big responsibility. So it was a lot of first for me. Um, when I moved here in the US for the first time in my life, I was actually living outside of my parents' roof. So back then, it was a tight knit family where if you're still um, single, and even if you're working, you're still mostly living with your parents. So here, it, I was trying to be as independent as I can. Not only was I a first-generation immigrant, I also became a wife, a mom, a leader in a new role with a new team. And it was there was just so many roles that I had to juggle at the same time. And it, it has become, you know, at times really overwhelming. But I think just going back to the support system that I, I try to ground myself, no matter how small or limited, at all, I try as much as possible to uh, hang tight and and really learn and lean on to that support system as much as possible. Not only has my husband have who have been very supportive in my career goals, um, but also my my boss, the friends that I met through work, the people that I meet outside, it, like in my neighborhood. Those have been those little experiences here and there have have accumulated and really made me feel a sense of belonging and and be part of this community even more so. Very good. Lovely to hear. Did you find that you had to take or maybe your husband was the person who helped you understood or or just kind of uh, decode different cultures and and interacting with people and building rapport and and so forth, did you find that you had to take a class or how did that come for you? I think, um, yes, it was my husband. And at the same time, I think because back in the Philippines where American culture has has been a strong influence um, to to us Filipino uh, Filipinos back then, back there, I think that that has given me a little bit of preparation on how to deal or how to what are the ways of of engagement here in in the US 
So I think a little bit of those has, has really helped me. And when I moved here, I think I, one of the other things was um, that everybody was super friendly. Like when you walk in the streets, people would just say hi and you would say hi back. In the Philippines, it wasn't really like that. Sometimes you would actually be scared to say hi because you don't know who the person is. And But here, everybody's so friendly. And and I think that has given my me a sense of comfort and a bit more sense of uh, security and, and belongingness where if it probably was another place or country that I moved, that would have moved to and did not have this openness, sense of openness, it would probably be a way different experience and probably more uh, more challenging for me. Okay, great, great. Do you have any additional advice aside from what you've already shared, uh, Lindsay, for new immigrants, new residents, uh, in encouraging them to have a more peaceful, abundant immigrant journey? I would say when you have your support system, just find and lean on to them, no matter how small. Don't ever underestimate the impact that they have on you, um, on your sanity, on your peace of mind, regardless if you have ups or downs, especially when you're on your down moment. um, Having that support system would really help give you that energy or boost you, boost your morale to even survive, be a survivor. Try, Try again. Don't give up be resilient. Um, and I would say one, one thing that I haven't fully taken advantage when I moved here because I really just had no idea where, where they were was uh, that there, were, there are a lot of communities available to help immigrants. And back then I didn't know where to look and didn't know where they, that they even existed. And I would say now, like there's a lot of social media, there's a lot of online tools that would allow you to find where they are and what their schedule looks like, what their um, events or meetups was like, looks like. I would say leverage those communities because I would say that those would help you find a sense and of belonging and be part of, oh, this is what the community is like. And you'll, you'll have that motivation um, inside of you to to be able to give back and learn to pay it forward to the next person who who comes in and say hi uh, this is my first time in the u.s um and there you will be saying how can i help you and how can i best support you right do you have an example of one of the communities that you're just to make it a bit clearer for folks for example any community in particular that you might be thinking of when you say communities that exist for example yeah. any do you have an example uh, yes, yeah. so there is, uh, now that I'm in the, here in Washington, Seattle, Washington, there's actually a Facebook group that I am a member of. It's called Washington Pinoy's. Pinoy's is short for Filipinos. And there, there's a lot of people that I met, especially during the pandemic, where we would either exchange recipes, pr- create home-cooked meals, and either trade or you can help support their small businesses as well. And I had no idea where that they were all here all this time. And once I started, you know, engaging more and doing meetups uh, and uh, talking to them and learning about how they moved here, when they moved here and learning their stories, 
you kind of feel like that sense of camaraderie and you just want to um, have that strong rapport and continue that that sense of society. And so that's one thing that I, I found. And it was during the COVID time. Well, it was during the COVID time. It actually opened up a lot more opportunities for me than, you know, back then when I was just so busy with with work and home and there was, you know, you were so busy juggling all these roles that you didn't really have, I didn't really have the chance to, to leverage and look what was out there until I had a chance to sit down and say, okay, I'm at home. I want to be able to at least still connect to my community. What are all the available tools and communities out there? And that's how I started finding them. Wow. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I know there are different ethnic groups with different communities around. So that's a great plug for that. Yes, Google and see if if you're from a particular country, there might be a group from that country that organizes in your city or maybe around language. If you speak a particular language, there might be meetup groups on that as well. So there's a website called Meetup and you can check that out as well as Googling for other communities that assemble in your city so that's a great plug uh, Lindsay thanks for that yeah and you're right you know I miss speaking in my native language my my kids know when I'm speaking in my native language that I'm I'm uh I'm a little like serious I'm, I'm very serious like for example like uh if if my kids would make a mess of the house and I started speaking in Tagalog they know oh mom's serious I need to pick up my things and I need to organize them but I I actually miss interacting with other people with the same language and being able to talk to them like casually about anything and so those groups actually helped me find um, my people that I so much miss that kind of interaction I do believe that there are groups that you know for example people who want to learn Spanish or French and so forth there's there's lots of groups out there so you never know there might be people who are having similar sentiments as you do and want to just particularly communicate in Tagalog. And so, I mean, if you haven't found that as yet. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a new segment of the show called Faux Pas. And I wondered if you had any particular advice or one thing that you would advise or encourage immigrants not to say or do just to be able to, you know, because things, for example, may mean one thing in a different country in one diff- in a one culture but it might mean something else here for example anything that you have in mind that you would you thought would be particularly helpful steer clear of yeah so as a filipino um there's actually quite a few stereotypes that that when you say when you say for example filipino time that means that you would always arrive late to a meeting and for me, who, who really respects people's time, and I hate, I really hate being late. And I don't appreciate when people come late to a meeting either. So I try my best to put my best foot forward. And in every meeting, I try to show up on time. So I know that, you know, many Filipinos would be able to relate to this if they say, oh, I'll, I'll meet you at three o'clock, but then you'll show up at around 3.15 or 3.30 and they'll, they'll usually be okay with it because that's the Filipino time. But for me, I, I try to, you know, stop 
trying my best to stop that habit and just show up on time. If I say it's three o'clock, I really mean it. I'm not meeting. I don't mean 30 minutes later. Right. I think uh, a few other cultures can relate with that time <laughs> reference. It seems to mean a lot of uh, differently several countries than it does here in the United States. Being punctual and on time is very important here in the American culture. So do take note of that. It will help you avoid, you know, some awkward situations, if you know what we mean by just being on time. If you have a meeting and you are particularly wanting to make a good impression, that is a great way to just be able to do that for the first time. Yes, for sure. And I would say the other advice I would say um, is to follow driving rules. So in the Philippines, majority of the drivers, including myself, so I'll admit that we don't normally follow driving rules that well. Uh, what, what that means, there, there's some minor things here and there. They're not that, that serious, but here in the U.S., it's pretty serious. Like you, you have to follow stop signs. You have to slow down when you see a hump on the road. When it's the yellow light, meaning it means, you know, get ready to stop because and there's a mean hurry up before it turns red. So it was a little bit of adjustment for me. And my husband had to always remind me, like, listen, you're not driving in the Philippines anymore. You have to make sure that you follow the rules. And it's keeping up with these types of good habits to keep yourself out of trouble. So that's the other thing that I would probably encourage um, Im immigrants to, to do. And a very important one because it keeps <laughs> us safe. It keeps yes. you safe and it keeps <laughs> others safe on the road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ah, that's, that's funny. Yes, so please, we're underlining for you. Pay attention to the driving rules. And uh, you do need to be able to understand the rules in order to get a driver's license here. So for that reason, too, as well, you'll need to make sure you read and prepare and after you pass that test, make sure you continue to follow those for the safety of everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> Public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> Do you offer any kind of coaching services aside from your regular day job, Lindsay, or any plug for yourself that you'd like to share in case others would like to reach out to you for any particular services that you may provide? Sure. I mean, people can find me on LinkedIn or I usually use Facebook or Instagram for social media. It's very easy to find me. Just look up my name. Um, I don't know. I don't offer any coaching or mentoring. Although if people want to just connect and network, I'm happy to do that. I, you can also find me in a nonprofit organization that I support uh, really um, so much of my time. It's called Ignite Worldwide. And I spend a good portion of my time there. Ignite Worldwide is an international nonprofit org that has been doing incredible work in bringing STEM education and career opportunities to students around the country, particularly in under-resourced school and communities. And to date, that organization has empowered over 100,000 young women and non-binary youth globally. So I spend my, a lot of my time working with that organization and help them grow and scale by either hosting some events for the girls and the non-binary youth, which has really been fun and fulfilling for me. Um, apart from that, it's mainly my work uh, at Affinity, where I spend majority of my time, uh, the nonprofit, and my family. 
Okay. Well, and that's a lot, right? To manage yes. your family. <laughs> you, <enough>. have, <laughs> you have young children. You, you have a very large role at your company. And you're a wife. And you are participating in this nonprofit. That's quite a bit on your plate. So I can imagine it keeps you busy. It does. But it's all well worth it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story here on Immigrant Experience in America. Thank you so much, Simone. I appreciate it. It was lovely to uh, listen in and get a sense for uh, your journey thus far. And we wish you the very best. Thank you. And you too. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, We welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.